And recording has started. Hmm? Recording has started. You're also recording on your phone, right? Okay, don't have the luxury anymore. Con risk. Is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so we are we are in the in the sixth commandment, and we've been tracing these commands. And you know, sometimes, especially on a day like today, when we're doing such a small, incisive, to the point command, it is rather easy to lose sight of the whole, uh, because these commands, as I've said to you, are not are 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 a unit on purpose. Uh, the, for those who have not been here, I'm just going to reiterate. Uh, the first four commands teach us how we are to deal with God. They are, teach, they, are to, they are teaching God's people how they relate to Him. And what we've seen is that uh, God wants to be exalted by His people, honored by His people, um, and worshipped by His people exclusively. And also trusted by his people, which is what we saw when we specifically looked at the one about the Sabbath. Uh, we are to trust him uh, for our provision. And we are, to, uh, we are to trust him because he's the one who saved us. And then we saw last time we were together, I think three weeks ago, we saw in verse 16 the command about authorities. How to, we are, that we are to honor the authorities in the world. So now God moves away from telling us how we are to relate to him as the supreme authority. And then now he moves, he moves to uh, the authorities that are there in the land, which is the family structure. But of course, that is, in, that is uh, a analogous for all the authority structures that are there uh, in society. And then the next thing, so you, you honor God uh, as the supreme being, as the redeemer, and you trust in Him, and you obey Him, and you have your heart and your mind, and as the Lord Jesus explains later, it's everything. It's your heart, your mind, all of your faculties, all of your emotions, all of them belong to Him. Um, your energies are to be spent in, in worshipping and thinking about Him. And then when he, when, he, when he turns to humans, He goes to authority, and then the next thing is to honor human life. You see this? It's, it's a beautiful flaw. Him, the supreme being, the authority structures that are there that he's put in place, then human life. If you want to think about what is, the, what is more important, if you just want to go in terms of the order, because order is important, in, uh, particularly in, in Jewish narratives. What comes first is actually, it, it, it says something. So there is an order to this. So think about it this way. If you, if you want to think about what's more important than human life, essentially it's God. Yeah? You with me? Because what's above that is the authority structures that God has put in place above us. Um, but the authority structures aren't more important than human life in that sense. Um, uh, because if you're, if you're going to put two lives, if you're going to put two things on a scale, what's more precious than the human life, than the life that God has made, what's more precious is not the inane idea of authority, it's God. God is the next one. Um, the authority 
is, 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 uh, is as, a, as, a, as a control measure for how we are to live. It's not necessarily something that we can put down and weigh like we would to weigh uh, human life. So if you were to think about all the things that exist, so think about things that exist, not the concept of authority, but the things that exist, humans, water, matter, space, whatever it is, uh, think about it in those, gra- in those um, um, macroscopic terms. The things that exist, uh, of all the things that exist, it's first God and then humans. Yeah? It's first God. God is first. You are, you, you, are, you are to be unequivocal in your devotion to God. You are to be a, a, a singular in your, in your trust in your veneration, um, in your meditation, it, it is to be pure as it relates to God, the Creator, who made you and redeemed you. And then the next place, when you're looking at something that's tangible, the next place that is, that, that is something that is to be exalted, something that is to be prized, something that is to be loved and cared for, something that is to be uh, considered precious, is human beings. Um, this command, you shall not murder, is, is, is not just a, you know, a command for controlling the society of Israel. It is that. But more to it, it is, it is, to, it is to speak about the value of the image bearers of God. Okay? That is, and, and before I get ahead of myself, we're actually going to start with group, group B today, not group A. We're going to... Swap things around. The reason is not, it's not because I'm trying to keep you on your toes or anything. I just should have swapped them when I was making this. In my head, the order was the other way, but somehow I wrote down. So group A is actually group B, and group B is actually group A, if you think about it that way. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. If that goes better, if that tastes better going down. Group, group B, we need to deal with the definition of murder. And so the question that I've given you, Group B, helps us get clearer to the definition of what exactly is murder. What is it? When we think, what is murder? Um, How is it to be separated from other things that look like murder? I have a few questions there that if we unpack them properly, we'll, we'll get to a proper definition of what murder actually is. So Group B, please stand up uh, and, uh, and talk to us about uh, your answer. No. no, I wouldn't rebuke. Shame, man. No, I'm not going to rebuke you. No, grab, grab a seat. Thanks for that. No, I'm not going to. Choose your words wisely, man. No, I just maybe help you be more accurate. That's all. Not, not rebuke. 
haven't seen. Sheesh, guys are serious. I was wrong. It's sin. No, it isn't. And there's something to that. We need to, we need to um, move a bit further into this. Um, I think there is something to the malicious that you're saying. Um, but w- you see what I, have, what I have there as examples to help you think through this. We have capital punishment by the state. Okay, So in, in some states uh, around the world, if you've killed people, so just like our neighbors right here in Botswana, Okay, I like, I like the Tswanas in Botswana. They don't complicate things. If you kill someone, we kill you. Simple as that. Um, and across the world, you find that way. And of course, you found that in the Old Testament as well. Um, and so then you wonder, okay, but it's a human life. And, and there's, you know, there's videos where people on the internet try to make fun of this. You know? So you're going to kill me for killing somebody. And because they just they flatten it out that way. Um, the other example that I have there is self-defense. Yeah? So, uh, I mean, I, I sleep with a weapon near my bed because I have a family. I'm not going to tell you what the weapon is because you guys are snitches. <laughs> um, I sleep with a weapon beside my bed to protect my family. Okay? I have, I have an alarm system and the guys that patrol my street have guns. Okay? Uh, and if somebody were to come in to try and harm my family, uh, harming me is another thing, but if you try and harm my wife or my children, there's going to be a fight, right? Because these people are given by God to me for me to protect them. Um, so is that the same thing? If it happens that in self-defense, trying to defend my home, somebody dies, is, have I committed murder? Um, war. Okay, there's, there's war. Um, and there's, there's uh, a, we were talking about with Kaya about this earlier. Uh, there's two Kayas now, it's confusing. Kaya Mabusen, um, uh, about this earlier. And there are Christians who are called pacifists. And what they say is, on the ground of religion, they do not want to participate in any war that the country is involved in. You with me? So what they say is, if our country is in conflict with another country, um, and so these guys would have been in 1944, 45, for example, during the Second World War, they would have not engaged. And so some countries actually have a clause uh, of, uh, in the law for what is called a conscientious objector. Somebody who says, because of my conscience, I will not be involved in anything that takes a life in that way, including being called up to war. So regardless of the enemy... And regardless of what the enemy is trying to, doing, trying to do, some people just believe that you, you cannot be involved in that as a Christian. Um, and they are an extreme minority. Okay? This is not how Christianity has understood things historically. So then the question then becomes, all of those objections, how, how, uh, are they, how, do we dif- how do we differentiate between the killing, the taking of a life, and what is actually, uh, uh, what is actually prohibited here? Part of the answer to that question is that the, 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 the taking of a human life is sacred because they, be, they are an image bearer of God. But there are certain human beings, by their action, undermine 
the image bearing of human uh, of other other undermine the the image of god in other human beings and thereby they lose their right to their lives does that make sense to you by by the way that they treat other human beings they've now forfeited their right to their own lives because they've said we are going to act with impunity as it relates to other human beings so when we so if we were to take this in reverse look about thinking about war i would never be involved in a war uh, if my country called me to be in a war if it's something something like just a, a foolish political thing like i don't know uh, cyril had a, a, a over coffee cyril had a a, a a disagreement with i don't know putin or something and now i have to go fight for cyril's disagreement with putin because putin and cyril couldn't they had a bit of an issue i wouldn't be involved in that that's between the two of you kill each other why should i kill, go kill russians kill each other there's nothing to do with me you you understand what i'm saying um it, it's it's a dispute it's a private dispute you guys have private jets private jets and bomb each other don't don't involve me but let's say putin says um that all of south africans are going to be his slaves yeah so putin says south africa is now going to be his slaves and he's got the power to do it he's got the manpower and we just need to submit to him well putin's no god over us we are a sovereign state and so i'm not going to stand for that so then as a christian i could be involved in a war to defend our country you understand because we're defending ourselves here's a man who's a bully again i'm not trying to wage into people's political opinions let's not use let's not use putin because it gets political when you use russia eh just use somebody that nobody let's use boris johnson oh no he's also political uh, <laughs> i don't know just insert random leader here okay i don't want you to not hear me because of your political background <laughs> insert random we're not going to because of this bully now just kowtow to him i am going to fight uh for to protect our families to protect our nation i'm going to fight it is well within my right to do such a thing you're with me because this guy and everybody who now fights for his cause of oppression is now forfeiting their rights to their own lives which means then that i'm now not going to it's not just about you it's about the ideology of you not seeing us as human beings you see we we're fighting against evil and unfortunately you're perpetuating the evil you with me um and so we we we're going to fight that even now this that principle you know gets into a whole lot of issues so some people would use this kind of debate this kind of uh, argument um in the in the when we were in the struggle for after against apartheid there were debates right around these lines uh, to have an armed struggle if you've ever read about the struggle uh, you'll know that there was a massive debate about that okay should we now actually be bombing people and hurting them because this is the system that's there and so there's a lot of things to wade into with with regards to that because there are there are normal civilians and then there are people who are actually problematic so there's there's a whole other conversation there but but that's the but that's the idea anybody who is fighting for a cause that demeans human beings hence the war against the nazis in 1945 191939 to 1940 that war was a just war needed needed to be done because they had an ideology 
that said the Aryan race is above everybody else and everybody else can just be gassed and destroyed like it's nothing. You see what I'm saying? So that, that is an evil that needs to be fought against. So it was a just war in, in that sense. So, um, so, so you have to think about it in that way. People lose their thing. So in self-defense, it's the same, it's the same kind of idea. You are, now, you are coming to hurt me. Okay. So this doesn't apply if I'm walking on the street and a guy tries to take my phone. That doesn't necessarily mean that now I have the right to kill him. Why not? Because he's not threatening my life. Right? The punishment always meets the crime. He's not threatening my life. What is he threatening? My possessions. Okay? So you have to be very careful here. This guy is not trying to kill me. Okay? The, when, you, when you go into the... And we, when we looked at the law, we saw some of this in last year. When you go into the law, in the Old Testament law, what you would find, people who would be killed, murdered, would be people who murdered others or raped a woman. Yeah? If you raped a woman, you'd be killed. And if you murdered someone else, you'd be killed. But if you stole, you're not going to be killed. You remember we saw that? You have to pay it back four times. We saw that when we, when we studied the law last year. So, you, you have to be very careful. It doesn't, self-defense, doesn't, it, it's not an overreaction. Are you with me? Don't, it's not an overreaction. There's, you, and, and I said this in South Africa because there's, there's been, if you, if, if you pay attention to the news at all, there are a number of places around the country where people get really khatvol with criminals. And so one guy is found to have stolen something, right? And then the whole community comes out with mob justice. And what does ends up happening? They end up killing the guy. Happened just a few months ago, before this last lockdown. Happened somewhere here in Gauteng. I forget where it was now. And it's something that, 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 that occurs frequently. Somebody has been caught stolen, so now what, is, what does everybody do? Everybody gangs up on him, and they kill him. That is inordinate. That is unbiblical. Because this person hasn't threatened anybody's life. They are wrong, but the punishment must meet the crime. Punishment must not be so severe. You with me? In the same way, I'm not saying that, you know, personally, I, I don't think that everything that is called mob justice is mob justice. I believe that if a group of people grab a criminal and, um, and, dis- and, and grab a criminal, you know, by the power, by the sheer force of will and power of a group to grab him and to stop the criminals from terrorizing their community, I think they're well within their rights to do that. I think we, we're well within our rights to do that. I think the, the, the problem happens when we meet out punishments that are above what is necessary. And unfortunately, what happens in mob justice is that you get, you get caught up with the crowd, with the mob. Proverbs says this, you should not fall in with the crowd and commit injustice. See, that's what happens. And so that's why those things are a bit dicey to talk about. But in, but in essence, if we're the people just gonna, we're not, if we're just going to protect ourselves in our community and have a neighborhood watch, and then we use our force to stop the criminals, that we're well within our rights to do that, uh, I believe. But that's a discussion for another day. The point is, though, we, the, 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 you can't call it self-defense if somebody stole your pen and then you go and shoot them. It's not self-defense. It's just a pen. And then capital punishment uh, uh, by the state or any of these pities. Again, this is the same idea. the, the, The state is given by God the right to protect human life. Okay, the, the, the core crux job of the state is to protect human life, to order society. 
So then the state can decide what's the best kind of punishment in order to deter others uh, from acting willy-nilly with regards to, to, um, to human life. And so if the police are, are trying to apprehend a criminal and a criminal fights back, shoots back at the police, threatens the police lives, it is well within their rights, and hear me, and I'm talking biblically, and I'm not talking about any kind of country's law, it is well within biblically that police to shoot that person. Because the police are trying to, that they're keeping order, and if the, the police fall as an institution, we can all treat the police however we want, we have no society. See? So from a biblical perspective, it is, it is, that is a necessary thing that the police use force in order to ensure that everybody... Now, again, this is idyllic. You're assuming that this person has really done something wrong. You with me? You're assuming, by saying this, you're assuming that this person is actually guilty, and you're, you're assuming a whole number of things, and I, and, I, and I admit that, and so we have to nuance that conversation. Like, for example, 30 years ago here, police... 30, 30, 40 years ago in this country, the police going to Soweto and, and grabbing people was an unjust, would have been an unjust thing, an, an unjust thing to happen. And, and so we can't just say because it's police, it's right. But what I'm saying idyllically, or ideally, that's the idea. Uh, we need, if, we, if we are to be a society that exists, we need to have law enforcement that actually has teeth because that is how then... Uh, we can protect human life if the law enforcement does what they're supposed to be doing. Again, these are large conversations that are way beyond the scope of our time this evening. But I, I just want you to understand that murder and killing is separate. There's killing, and there are times where killing is necessary for different things. And my rubric that I see in the scripture is when someone has given up their own right to life by, by threatening another person's life. Or by, or by taking the dignity of someone else, in the case of a woman. Uh, when, a woman is being, when a woman's raped, if you rape a woman, um, you, you deserve to die. Uh, because you have, you have taken away her dignity. You have, you have, uh, there's, there's something about the, uh, the sexual nature uh, that we have, such that if it's violated, it really affects us. You, you, you've, you've affected this person for the rest of their life. You've... You've messed up her, what her future would have looked like. You've completely taken away this person's life and you've used them as a, um, as a, as a power grab. You've, you've used them as a way to... Uh, it, is exactly, it is quite akin to murder because what you've done by raping a woman, violating in that way, you have asserted your power and your own urges over her own dignity as a human being. You've said that your power over her needs to win over because it's mostly about power. And then your urges are, are so important that they need to be felt regardless of whether or not she consents. So therefore, that person uh, deserves to be killed because you've basically destroyed a human here. Yep. Uh, just fitting into your rubric, uh, where would you then put the fact that to blasphemy in God's name would also punish you for well, well, because then... Okay, yeah, because I was... Sorry, that's a good point. Because I was talking just as it relates to other people. Okay, now that is relating to God. So blaspheming God was, you, you killed uh, a prophet, saying God said something, so you, you're a false prophet. You said, you said God said something that God didn't say you were to be killed. Uh, we saw this two weeks ago in the Sabbath. If you broke in the Sabbath, you would be killed. Why? Because you're an idolater. Okay, you've, 
you've decided that the supreme being is not supreme. You're going to do your own thing. So therefore, you deserve to die. In that society, okay, in the society of Israel, that was a theocracy where God was king. Uh, people who were blasphemers had to be killed because they needed to understand what true law is here. Okay, um, So that's one thing. Uh, let's go here, then we'll go here. Can abortion be justified if a, if a mom is at risk of death if the birth happens? That's a complicated subject. That's quite a, it's a complicated subject, my man. Um, yeah, Stephen. No, look, it's a good question, but I, I think it, it's, you have to wade into a whole host of issues um, to answer that. I think the general answer that you find from people is yes. Uh, because this person is here and this person is going to die, so we're protecting this person um, uh, in front of us. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, let me just say it's a, it's a position I don't hate. I hope nobody here is ever in. <laughs> like it's a horrible situation. And, um, um, and uh, yeah, I, I personally have not worked through that to be able to give uh, an intelligent enough answer. Um, I think there can be I think I see why people argue that yes it can be but I, I haven't personally worked through it for me to give you an intelligent answer now so maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give an intelligent answer in two weeks time um, um, yeah yep yeah um Uh, other uh, other centered. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So murder, you're murdering someone else, yeah, and exactly. killing, you're killing someone else. Exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a good question. So what we, when we're talking about my own life now? Yeah. So. Suicide, I would argue very strongly, that falls underneath the category of murder. Uh, simply because the justifications for suicide cannot uh, be that you have forfeited your own right to your life. You understand what I'm saying? So, you, 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 by you committing suicide because of whatever depression, whatever issues, whatever, I mean, there's a lot of host of issues. You, you, you are asserting that you have right of over even your own life. And so now I'm deciding to end my life. But the scripture teaches that human life belongs to one person, God. So your life is not even your own. So you do not decide that you are now done with living. Uh, it is appointed upon, unto man to, to live and... and and, and that is, that, those contours are by God's will, not yours. And so it is, it is murder. It is actually a sin, a horrible sin. Uh, but it is a sin nonetheless. It is a sin of murder because uh, your life is not your, you're not your own to take. Part of the confusion here is because we, 
we believe that we, we, we live in a, in a society where personal autonomy is everything, right? My body, my choice, anyone? Right? My body, my choice. So my, I, you will not dictate to me what I can do with my body. And therefore, I will do with my body as I please. And if, if life gets so hectic, then it means that my life, I can choose to end it. But the reality is that your body, his choice. Okay, in one sense, it's, he gave you the body, but if you are a Christian, you understand that he is the one who makes the, the laws. Okay? If you are a Christian, I'm not talking to non-Christians, I'm talking to believers who understand that he's the supreme being and he's the one who's redeemed us. Therefore, he says, the, the, our body is the temple of who? The Holy Spirit. He lives in us. So therefore, our bodies are not our own in that sense. So yes, he's given us these bodies. These bodies are ours, but in, in all intents and purposes, it's all up to him what we do with them. So you can't tell me that God is going to punish me for gluttony, eating too much into my body. God is going to punish me for getting drunk, drinking too much. God is going to punish me for sleeping around, using my body in that way, sleeping around. God is going to, you know, there's all these things that I do to my body that God is going to punish me for, but he's not going to punish me for taking my life. You understand? He's not just at the lower level at what I do with my body. It's the very essence of it that he owns, the whole thing. And so I can't end it because I'm owned. So it's just, if, if I'm owned, then everything about me is owned, not just some parts. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I'm. A, I'm. I think the scripture is again. These things are nuanced, but I think the scripture is very clear on that. You do not take someone's life. It's a different situation if somebody's on life support. Okay. Even if somebody's like in extreme pain, we try to take away the pain and douse issues. But if somebody's on life support, like they're in a vegetative state, well, they're not alive anymore. It's the machines that are keeping, which is switch off the machines and the person's over. So switching off the machine does not constitute killing the person because the person can't be alive themselves. Um, so think about it this way. Sentience, okay, so being alert and awake and understanding and being con- does not mean that your life has value. More because... If a person who is disabled, there are a number of different kinds of disabilities where you, the person cannot be said to be sentient. Or even a fetus, you know, in mom's womb, not really at a point of sentience. Uh, you cannot at that moment say then that's what determines your value or not. Just being alert and awake and being able to make decisions does not give you value. You are valuable because you're a human being made in the image of God intrinsically. And so, uh, and so we have to deal with it. That's why, for the same reason, if euthanasia, assisted death, is legal, then abortion is legal in God's eyes. Okay? Because, I mean, this person is in so much pain, we can justify it somehow. But I think the scripture paints a very clear, a very clear unambiguous thing that God is the one who decides when a person dies, not, not us. God is the one who actually makes a decision. And so perhaps sometimes by our machines, we keep people alive who should be dead a long time ago. 
Um, sometimes we keep the person alive artificially, but the person's actually already dead. And one of the ways you know that is because never, the person never recovers. So it's one thing if somebody's in a coma, they're still alive if they're in a coma. But if they're in a vegetative state completely, and there's different varying degrees of this, the doctors in the room will tell you. But if you're in a proper vegetative state and you're completely out, and we're, beat, we're doing everything for you by the machine, it, and you're never going to come back from it, most likely means that your date of death was a long time ago, in, in real terms, even though we haven't confirmed it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Uh, there was a hand over there, Tabi Singh, and then there are a few more. Tabi Singh. Okay, sure. Uh, okay, where are the hands now? Okay, I think there was that one at the back and then Killer. Tanatwa? No, no, no. No, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin, not just blasphemy in general. You remember Jesus said there, I think it's Mark 7, he said that words that people say against the Son or the Father would be for, will be forgiven. So if somebody ever blasphemed Jesus or the Father, they'll be forgiven. But if somebody blasphemed the Holy Spirit, that person can't be forgiven. And the reason is that person is resisting the Spirit's work. Um, if a person resists the Spirit's work, uh, then who's going to change you? Um, and so that's what that means. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you this way, and of course I'm sure you, you will hear this. Uh, nobody who's wondering about whether or not they've committed an unforgivable sin has committed the unforgivable sin. Are you with me? If you are sitting there wondering, have I committed the unforgivable sin? It means you have not. Because people who are committing the unforgivable sin don't care. You understand? It's not that there are going to be people who are going to come and ask for forgiveness and it's not offered to them. These people are gone. They don't want it. That's why they're not getting it, because they don't, they don't want it. Whereas the Bible makes it very clear, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see? So these are the people who are not even calling on the name of the Lord. Does that make sense to you? If there are Christians... What did I just say suicide is? Murder. So if somebody kills another person and then they die having been a Christian, will they go to heaven? Guys, I've taught you the gospel. Aibo. Aibo. Don't embarrass me in front of guests. I've taught you the gospel, man. Every week I'm shouting the gospel at Guanazi. Ay, man. Oh. Oh, I told you the gospel over and over and over again. I'm changing my sermon for Sunday. <laughs> yes! I give up. Yes! Okay? The blood of Jesus Christ... The blood of Jesus Christ is enough even for suicide. Now, one of the, one of the reasons you ask that question is because, you know, you, you're wondering, well, the person died and that's the last thing that they did. Again, that, that doesn't determine anything. 
Because when, when you were justified, you were justified in what tense? Past tense. Which means that all of your sins, including the ones you are yet to commit, are forgiven in Christ. If you were justified, not if you're not justified, if you were justified, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved, not you might be, depending on your performance, you will be saved. And let me tell you this, it has nothing to do with your confession of your sin, because how many sins have you committed, do you think, today? Are you going to confess all of them today, before you sleep? No, you're going to forget about them. The psalmist speaks about secret sins, the ones that I don't even know about. Let me tell you, this past week, Jay, from Monday until today, you've committed enough sins to, to condemn the whole world to hell. And you're probably only aware of three of them. <laughs> but you've committed enough to condemn the entire human population to hell. So, why, why is it that you can be so confident you're going to be with the Lord? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, by His blood, cleanses you completely. And He leaves no spot. This is not like a jig, you know. If you put jig on a t-shirt, sometimes it will come out, you know, depending on how you shake. And maybe if you give it to Makoko, Makoko is going to really do the thing. <laughs> and maybe it will come out, but there will still be some stains there. The blood of Christ is way more stronger than that. There's no shaking. The man Jesus Christ died so that every single blotted stain, past, present, future, is, is covered. Now, this is not an encouragement to commit suicide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is not an encouragement to do that um, but, it, I, I need to, but if I'm going to tell you the truth that's what the gospel does see this is the saviour that you have the saviour who overcomes every single one of your filth every single corner of your nonsense your saviour covers it that's the saviour that you have now if you, if you hear that and you think let me go sin you have problems but rather, that should make you thank you, thank God, not thank you. Thank Him for the wonderful Savior that you have. Killer. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And self sacrifice? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, even as you're going to, to war, you are, you, are, you are putting yourself in a situation so that the ones you're leaving behind don't have to go to it. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it just depends on the situation, but yeah, I would agree. Or, or the premise of that is, is true. It is, there's, a, there's a categoric difference between suicide and self-sacrifice. You're not doing this on, if, because of your choice. You're doing this because of the situation at hand. And so, you, you, know, you know, have you ever watched Titanic? You know, he's hanging on there. There's enough room in the plank for both of them. There's enough room. But he says, no, you stay there. <laughs> stay there because I love you. Why don't you just get on top with me? There's space. There's enough space for both of us. 
But that's neither here nor You guys have seen this plank, right? Like there's enough space for both of them. They could have taken turns. Anyway. <laughs> you can leave that debate. Um, but yeah, self-sacrifice as a concept exists and it is separate from suicide. Because by the very nature, the police, for example, they sacrifice themselves by their very nature. Their very office is they're putting themselves in the front line of danger, okay? Which actually leads to another part of this. Do you, re- do you know one way to break this command is to be reckless with the seed limit? Have you ever thought about that? How you drive on the road says what you think about this command. Because if you're reckless of human life, you are breaking this command. But let's go a bit further. There are adrenaline junkies. Okay? Adrenaline junkies. People who do sports that are hectically dangerous. Where your life is just a flip of a coin whether you're going to live or not. That is breaking this command. Because what you're doing is you have your, 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 you're holding a gun to your head. You're playing Russian roulette. Oh, lucky. That's what you're doing. You're, you're playing fast and loose. You're, you're playing fast and loose with this command. Okay? You're, 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 and it shows that you, you, you do not take human life seriously enough. Now, there's a degree where people argue about, okay, well, to what degree that is and all this. And there's a debate that you can have. Some people then, I had a discussion, I think I was having it with Benji about boxing and UFC, MMA, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's a discussion for another day. But I, I think if the, sports, if the sport itself has, it, it is not evident that you're going to die from it. Okay? It's not like you're gambling. Because I think the key issue here is the gambling with your life, where it's so knife-edge that you're gambling. I mean, if you're, if you're boxing, you know, there's pro- this thing is protected, there's all these things, so... It, it's not, I, I don't see it the same. If you're playing rugby, there's rules. Don't tackle high. Uh, it's the same then as driving a car because if someone can uh, hit your car and you'd be in trouble, but you are in this high-speed vehicle. So there is a level of risk that we take in life in general. And I think some of those sports, most sports fall underneath that. But there are those that are so obvious, okay, where you're just, you're, you're at a knife edge with your life. Uh, you, you, you're not... No, you jump out of a plane without a parachute. What are you doing? You know, who are you trying to impress? Those kinds of things. Um, and, then, and then you girls swoon over them. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, what a man. Oh, oh. He's such an... He's, he's all so out there. No, he's not so out there. He's probably going to beat you up because he doesn't care about human life. I'm sorry, girls. I just... Was dangling in front of me. I had to do it. Um, is it a quick one, Clay? Is it good? Okay. Okay. So uh, that's that's the definition of murder. You're taking someone's life. You are you are thinking. You are asserting yourself over someone's life in that sense. Now, we we have spent a lot of time on the definition, but I suppose it's worth it. Let's continue on now, real quick, to Group A. When someone now commits murder, and somebody else. I want a real quick answer to this. When someone's committing murder, taking someone else's life illegally in front of God's eyes, asserting that this person's life uh, can be taken for their own purposes, what does this say about that person's estimation of himself, estimation of the victim, of the victim 
and estimation of God. Go ahead. <clears throat> Rachel. Yeah. Self exaltation proper. Yeah. Um, estimation of the victim. Um, the victim is worthless, worthless to himself. Yeah. Um, and then estimation of God. Um, he has a low or no understanding of God, or maybe he has no idea of God and he doesn't care what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. So, <clears throat> when someone takes another person's life for their own benefit or their own purposes, they're saying a whole bunch of things about the world, about themselves, about God, and about the person in front of them, and all of them are evil. Okay? And the reason I'm asking you this question is because I want you to notice the attitudes that you might have that go alongside with murder. Because you might not have killed someone, but you might have these attitudes. You with me? Pride, the self-exaltation above others. There's a snobbishness above others where you see others less than yourself. There are extreme cases of it. Okay? Racism, uh, tribalism, uh, countryism, in that sense. Uh, not, not, not in the sense of a, you know, of a pride or loving what you are or where you come from, but of a thinking that you are better than others, pushing others down. Okay? Thinking that others are less than you. All of those things are the roots that, lead, that really lead to this. Okay? Once, and, and, uh, and I, this is an example that I always use. Do you know what the Zulu word is for a black person, black South African person, who is not Zulu? What's a classic from, from Nongoma, from Zululand? Like the word, now I'm from, I'm from the heart of Zululand. This is a word that we... That my grandmother was called because my grandmother was petty, and it is it is a is a pop it is a term that's known people don't use it so much today because it's not PC. But you know what that term translates to? Can anybody ever give it to you? Raise your hand, Kaya. No? Oh, I thought I saw you raise your hand. Yeah. Sorry. Umuntu. No. No, no, no. Actually, that's a corollary. The the Zulu word for a Zulu person is umuntu. Which means a human being. Think about that for two seconds. The Zulu word for a Zulu person is a human being. Fine. Then what is the, the, the word for another, another, another person from other tribes who's black, who's not Zulu? Do you know what it is? Islwanyagazan. Do you know what that translates to? Do you know what it translates to? Oh, no, no, no. Those of you who don't know Zulu, you haven't heard it yet, let me tell you. Do you know what it translates to? A little animal. I'm telling you, like, go, if you, if you, if you know your Zulu history, this is the word that was used. This is the word that was historically used. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's disgusting. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm the most Zulu guy you'll find here, okay? Like, I love my people, I love my nation, I love, where, I love being Zulu, but I hate this. I hate it. Because it is evil and demonic to look at other people made in the image of God and call them little animals. It is demonic. 
I mean, when I know so you Tosas, you don't know what we call you back home. Like, Tosas, yo, the things that we call you back home are. And so what I'm saying is, the, those are the kinds of roots. And we, we can talk about it in a tribalistic, but, but, but are there people where you, in your mind, you might not be using such terms, systemat- systemically using such terms that are so horrible, but are, you, but, but are you privately doing things like that? Privately, in your heart, where other people are so beneath you because of whatever factor it is, you know? Socioeconomic status. Yeah? Uh, what comes to your mind when a beggar comes near you? Yeah. So think about this. What, what is it that comes to your mind when a dirty beggar comes to you? Peter, aware of God's grace, saw this beggar who was here, and what did he do to him? Grabbed him and said, I give you what I have. Jesus, when he was with in front of him, he had a leper that nobody would touch. What did Jesus do? He touched him and said, be clean. What do you think when a dirty, filthy, probably disease-ridden druggie comes near you? Is this a human being? Or is this something less than that? Now, only you can answer that because you know what you feel. And what I'm saying is you need to work on those emotions to change them to be God. Treat these people as human beings. Okay, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to give them money or whatever. That's not what we're arguing for. But what we're arguing for is that these are human beings. They have not lost anything in terms of their humanity. Are you with me? There's nothing that's gone from their humanity. There's no, they, they are not less like God than you are because you've got, you know, your, your role on, on. You know, you, 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 you showered this morning. That doesn't add anything to your humanity that they don't have. These are human beings in God's image. Okay. We need to fight against anything that, 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 that reduces, practically reduces another human being. And one of the things, again, I'm going to say this to you guys here because... One of the things that, 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 that when the more I read the scripture and, and read the way that God speaks about sojourners, the more I, I, I just, I feel the hatred from heaven whenever there's a xenophobic attacks in this country. The wrath from heaven, the, the anger from heaven, because there are people here who are poor like us but because we have access to them, we attack them and, and burn their businesses. Well, they're just here to take care of their families. But we won't touch the rich guy in Santin. Okay, the rich Italian in Santin, you don't touch them. You don't touch the, 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 the rich Australian in, in Morningside. Why? You attack the poor one who's right here just trying to make a living next to you. Do you see how evil this is? Let me tell you, xenophobia is one of the most a lot of people are going to burn in hell for eternity because of xenophobic attacks. A lot of people God is going to destroy forever and ever and ever because of attacking and killing and treating as nothing people who are made in His image. Are you with me? I'm not speaking politically here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And I'm not even arguing. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have borders or anything like that. Please don't interpret me politically. Don't interpret me politically. Yeah, you have to say this these days. <laughs> One of you might have a phone now and then, then it's uploaded. The pastor from this church yeah. is, saying, is, is saying this 
Vote EFF. Hey. <laughs> I did not, not me, Tabo. I did not say anything like that, okay? But what I'm saying is uh, anything that looks like xenophobia, where you take another human being and diminish their worth to a level where you feel like you can just go and beat them up, hurt them, kill their children, destroy their businesses, is evil and God will destroy us for it. It's funny to me, in all these discussions that are out there in the world, in our country, about why South Africa is going down and all of this, nobody ever reflects on our sin and judgment from God. Nobody ever talks about that. It's funny to me. It's all about this political... uh, Nobody ever says that we have committed serious evil. And why should we expect economic prosperity when we have done such serious evil? Nobody talks about that, though. But neither here nor there. So let me just encourage you, dear friends... Fight with everything in your, in your person, with all of your energy. Don't ever allow any superiority to develop in your mind in any kind of category. And I'm talking to everybody in this room because I know out there politically, they're trying to make you think that there are certain people who are incapable of certain sins. Have you heard that? You guys go to verts, a lot of you. I'm sure you've heard this. You've heard it said, right? That a black person can't be racist. You've heard that, right? Haven't you? Nonsense. Okay? Absolute nonsense. From the pit of hell. You know, you know that our tribalism is demonic. You know. When are you know? Okay, your, 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 your fancy professor might say that. With his board there, think, writing nice books. But when are you know on the ground? You know the conversations that you've had about people from other tribes. You know. And you know that that... What's the difference between that and racism? There is. You see? So everybody must be convinced. Everyone in the room must be convinced that we, we need to fight with every single fiber of our body to, uh, about, at, at anything that makes us feel superior to others. We need to move on. Okay. Is it a quick one? Quick one. So, just going back to mentioning the side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mean a regard for their own life? It can happen. I mean, it, it, there are certain situations like that, like murderous people who do things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
Yeah, see, well, I think what you're getting into, Jeremiah, is perhaps some psychological stuff exactly. that, that could be like outliers. And I think that there are, there are arguments to be made that way. But if somebody takes another person's life, there is no way that they're not devaluing them. Like they, they, there's, no, there's no way that you can argue that they're not devaluing them because for a purpose, this person is being killed. I'm not talking about an, we're not talking about a car accident here, right? We're not talking about a, a train wreck or something. We're talking about someone who's decided, I'm going to murder you for this, this, that, or the other reason. Meaning that you need to be removed so that I can do whatever, for whatever reason. You, you have become less than the aim. There's an aim to your death, and you have become less than that aim. You've been devalued. Um, so in, in a case of murder, you ha- it, 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 it goes along with devaluing. It, it can't go with anything else uh, of the other person. Yeah, we, I need to move on. You said to me it's a quick one. It's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we, we can talk after. We're out. Yeah, yeah, no. When I, no, no, no. Group C. Group C. What is the difference? We're talking about the difference between the life of an animal and the life of a human being. Yeah.
Very good, yeah. So what's, what's important to understand here is the contours of this text they make it clear that the life of a human being will be required even from the animal. You notice that? Even from the animal that takes it, um, it will be required. That's how important a human's life is. Um, the, the reason I put this here is I'm, uh, I'm, they are, I want to say this in a very clear way, there is this benevolent move uh, from people. It's benevolent because it's good, uh, but it is misguided when people um, uh, exalt the life of animals uh, to an inordinate degree. You with me? I say it's benevolent because animals are to be taken care of by us. They belong to us. They've been given to us by God. So we're to take care of them. Proverbs says, if you don't care for your beast, you, you're a fool, essentially. Now we need, you need to take care of your beast. In fact, in, um, in, 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 I think right here in Deuteronomy, God says that you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And that means that when you see when you're using your, 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 your ox um, and you have them, they're, they're, they're tied together, they're busy trading out, they're doing stuff, they're working for you on your field. You have them, you have attached a contraption here so they're, they're doing your harvesting for you or they're doing whatever it is that they're on your field. While they're doing that, don't put a gag on their mouth so that they can't eat. Okay? Don't have a gag. Let the animal, as it's working for you, let the animal eat. You with me? Don't be, don't be a cruel master such that you don't let your animal eat while it's working for you. Let it eat. It's a law, it was a law in Israel that, that had punishment okay, attached to it. You had to do this. If you, if, you, if you had a field and your oxen were working for you, you, were, you had to allow them to eat while they're busy trading out the grain. So that's an important principle. Our animals are precious. They're wonderful but they don't come anywhere near. To even compare them to humans is to misunderstand existence. You with me? The death of an animal is sad. It's a tragedy. But it is not in the same league. It's not the same sport as the death of a human being. You with me? The death of an animal and the death of a human being are two separate things. We love our animals. We care for them. We'll be sad emotionally. But they do not come close to the death of a human being. We will always sacrifice our animals Instantly, if, we, if it means saving a human being, without question. Okay? Now, it's sad. Now, it might be hard if you have your pet, you know, you love your pet. I understand. But realize this. Humans, there's like, humans are on another thing. They're on another uh, level. It's a different sport. Uh, because they, they are made, humans are made in God's image and animals are not. Animals were given to humans. Um, so that humans can benefit from them. And of course, we care for them, and we have to care for them. We, we can't be cruel people on them. Um, one of the reasons that I say this is because I need you to be, you need, you need to be mature in understanding out there in the world. Do animals feel pain? Yes. 
Do animals have emotional distress? Oh, you better believe it, they do. In fact, some animals die from emotional distress. Um, in fact, it's been documented some of them actually have been found to kill themselves because of pain. There's been a study, a study that was done. This is funny. You know, when, you, when you're, you're trying to make a point, I wanted to have an introduction to a sermon once, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, talking about distress. And my main point, like the main, I just had an idea, ah, nobody has ever heard of an animal that committed suicide because of pain, you know, distress. But human beings feel suicide. I wanted to have a, a great, you know, capturing point. And then I went on Google and I searched this and like, boom, 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 boom. Nope. <laughs> I'm wrong. So I had to completely abandon that train of thought. You see what you happen when you, you're trying to be clever? <laughs> Um, I had to come abandon the thought because animals actually have a, a, a very complex, a very complex, very intricate and nuanced emotional life. And while be all of that as it may, and it is that way, and so we, we mustn't be cruel to them, we must take care of it, don't, don't you know, like all the things, don't blow up, you know, uh, what's this thing? Uh, firecrackers near your dogs, you know, it's distressful, don't do that, that's hurtful, all those kinds of things. We must be cognizant because... These animals are ours, but they, it is just not the same as talking about a human being. Okay? And, and a lot of the discourse that's out there, unfortunately, a lot of it is by vegans. The discourse that's out there is just to make these things one-to-one. Like, these things are the same. Okay? Uh, there's a guy who's, who, who's like a, a vegan evangelist, essentially, who sits down you know, and tries to catch people out you know, on the things, on make people feel guilty for eating meat because you know what, what is done to the animals and all this. And, um, and, I understand, and look, it's, I understand the cruelty and all this, and it's, but, you, but then the, the language he uses is that is language of equating it to human pain. Like, well, how would you feel? <laughs> okay? No, listen. I, I won't be very happy if somebody had to kill me so that others can eat me, okay? But this is an animal given to us to eat. So unfortunately, it has to be killed if I'm going to eat it. You understand what I'm saying? So this is where we have to, you just, once you, he lose, once you just start equating that these things are the same, no. So uh, you, uh, you need to be aware of these things and you have to be nuanced. Um, it's not either or. It's not, I can treat my animal however I want, or my animal is everything. Okay? You need to be wise people. I need to care for my beast. God will judge me for the way that I treat my beast. Have you ever thought about that? If you are cruel to your animals, you'll answer to God. Okay? So, God, it's important how I treat my animals. I need to treat my animals well, but at the same time, it's just not... It's not the same fault. Yeah? You with me? Let's move on here. Group D. I gave you guys a bit of, a, a bit of work, and this is where we're now we're landing home on this. Group D. I asked you to summarize for us Matthew 5, verse 1 to 26, and I'm going to read it for the benefit of the rest of us, because I think it's necessary for you to hear this. In Matthew 5... <clears throat> where Jesus picks up on this very command and blows it up in the way that only the Lord Jesus can. He says this, You have heard that it was said, verse, 20, verse 21, for those who are following with me, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, 
and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. I, tr- I tell you, you'll not, uh, you're not, you never get out until you've paid the last penny. The other text, well, let's hold on. What was your summary of that one? What was just like, and I'm going to have to hurry you now, just very quickly. We were... Yeah. So can I, can I have you hold it right there? I'll speak on this verse and then we'll go to the next one. You'll give us your summary and then I'll respond. So you can grab a seat. So what you've just said is, is really good. So, um, and, it's, and it's helpful. Jesus is comparing murder to anger to murder. In this sense, he says, just like you know that in the Israel community, there was death for murder in heaven... Right? In the heaven economy, there will be death for anger. You, are you understanding this? So, just like you, you know that in, in the Israel community, the, the, it was capital crime. If you killed someone, you were to be killed. In the same way, in the kingdom of heaven, if you are a person who is angry at your brother, you call him your fool, you curse him, whatever, you are to be destroyed in the same way. See, he's bringing to the surface the holistic nature of the command, you shall not murder. It goes beyond just the idea of saying, I'm going to avoid killing someone. It goes to, how do I relate to the people around me? You with me? So if you are a person, and now hear me clearly, if you are a person who is Who gives people the silent treatment? Yeah? Give people the silent treatment because you're angry at them. You will be liable in heaven in the same way as if you killed that person. I appreciate the, the directness. 
Well, because anger is evil. Hate is evil. There was no, and of course, the anger that he's talking about here is not talking about righteous anger, okay? He's not talking about the anger that I feel if I hear that a woman is being raped. He's not talking about the anger that he himself had when he came to the house of prayer and the house of prayer had turned into a house of money. You understand? It's the hate for another person. It's the hatred, the deep-seated anger that, that leads to, to fits of rage. You with me? Where you, you're not going to talk to the person or you blow up. Like, you, you, just, you just, you have a, you have a, when it comes to one particular person, you just have a short fuse. You blow up. You lose your, you lose your head. And you say all kinds of things to them. Because you see, it says you curse them. You say, you spew whatever feels free from your mouth. That is, this, in, in, the, in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, that sin is no different from the sin of murder. He's not saying that it is exactly the same. So if you are guilty of anger, you are guilty of murder. That's what people sometimes say. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's punishment for anger and cursing and silent treatments and all of those things in the same way as there is punishment for murder. You with me? He's not saying that these two things are the same. Okay? The punishment even in heaven, in the, in the age to come, at least, let's not say heaven. In the age to come, the punishment, when God punishes people, the punishment for somebody who murdered people versus the punishment for somebody who was angry at people is not going to be the same. Because murder is a bigger, more, uh, 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 more weightier sin. It's not going to be the same. However, this person is not going to go scot-free. That's the point. This person is not going to go scot-free. So let me tell you. So we have to come to this. When you read, do not murder, think of it this way. Do not even murder in your heart. Do not allow dissensions to rise up within you. Do not like, allow strife, fighting, unnecessary squabbling to be something that has a residence with you. A child of God is someone who pursues peace. Are, that's why they're called, the, that's why it said, happy are the peacemakers. Because they've been called what? Children of God. You with me? Peace, peace. Sorting out peace. If you have wronged someone, go sort it out. If you know that somebody else feels wronged by you, go sort it out. He doesn't really leave you alone. So you can say, okay, no, I'm going to wait for them to come sort it out. They're the ones who hurt me. Jesus says, no, you know that they are holding something against you. You go and sort it out. You know, you, you're not the one who, he's the one who did the issue. You go and sort it out. There is never a point in Christendom. Let me hear me clearly. There is never a point in Christendom when you are allowed to simmer like a frog and allow this thing to, to, to boil you up and become bigger and bigger. Okay? You are, there's never allow, there's never, in, in God, in the kingdom of heaven, there is never a, an allowance for you to wait and see how the other person acts. Testing them. You with me? In the kingdom of heaven, the sons of the kingdom of heaven are the people who are always seeking to ensure that there is a clean slate in as far as it's up to them. As far as it's up to you, 
You're the one who's going to go and try and sort things out. And if the other person is not receptive to that, well, okay. I mean, you can't force them. But as far as it's up to you on your end, you are trying to sort things out. Now, of course, you have to understand what I'm saying here. Some things are a lot more... I say that as a general rule, but there's some situations that are more complicated. For example, in abusive relationships. A lot of damage has been done historically, unfortunately, even by the church. When the church says to a, a wife who is beaten at home by her husband, go and try and reconcile. See, it's a problem. The reason is, when somebody's abusive that way, there's bigger problems that need to be dealt with in that person. So to tell someone to go and try, go and, try and reconcile with someone who's just going to get home and slap them silly is not really being helpful. Unfortunately, those kinds of things have happened. Um, and it's sad. But, but it's reality. So th- there are certain situations where it might be necessary for you to be away from a particular person because of the kind of person they, they are. Okay? Um, it's, it's extremely important that if you, if you have, uh, as a person that you're dealing with, a person who, has, who is abusive, has a pattern of abusive behavior, that you protect whoever the weaker person is in that situation because abusive people have a serious problem. They have a proper problem that needs to be fixed outside of the relationship. It goes way beyond the relationship. But I hope you understand. I'm just, I'm just, talking, I'm just saying normally, in general. Okay? Even Jesus is not thinking about abusive relationships or trying to... I mean, there are certain situations where you have to get a restraining order from someone. You with me? Okay, where someone's so dangerous that you have to get a restraining order. That's not what the Lord Jesus has in mind here. Jesus is talking just in normal. The squabbles that we have. Okay? Okay. So some of you, you feel all guilty because of, I don't know, what you watched yesterday or, you know, what you took from someone or something like this. You feel all guilty about that and so then you, you don't have communion on Sunday because you, re- you read there in 1 Corinthians 11 that it says you need to examine yourself and you say, hey, I watched something horrible yesterday. Let me not have communion. Well, that... It's noble, it's misguided. The, the real essence of, the, of what is being said in 1 Corinthians 11 is that everything among us needs to be pashash. Are you with me? Among us, among God's people. Okay. Now, if you watch something else you shouldn't have, repent at that moment and then eat communion. But if there's no reconciliation, okay, Benji's sitting over there. Since you've been here, I haven't seen you talk to Kaya. Is everything fine? <laughs> See, that kind of thing. You're sitting over here, class sitting over there, and then here the people are giving you communion. You're having the same communion with Kai over there, but you don't even want to look in his direction. See what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about. That's what's being spoken about in communion. That's what communion functions as. That's why we're so serious at communion, because it's a body thing. It's a thing that we do as a body. So you, you have to be, think about this. Jesus wants us to be peacemakers all the time. In as far as it's open, it's up to us, and of course it's safe in those extreme cases. We have to be peacemakers. Don't allow things to fester. Don't allow the yeast of anger to grow and grow and fester and, call and, 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 and leave in the rest of you and make you angry. You know, sometimes you have a, a disagreement with someone, and then you go and the thing just spirals out of control on your own, in your own head. It becomes a whole thing. 
And then you see the person and it's just like, it's like, oh, oh, no, that's not what I meant. No, I was saying this. Oh. <laughs> oh. Right. You've been angry. You've like, you've like, how can, like, how many times have I, like, you've, you've wasted a whole day. And the person's busy like Jim, living their best life. <laughs> they don't know. Because when, in your mind, you allow things to fester for no reason. Stop it. Stop it. Stop allowing things to fester. Just speak, it, speak about it. Come, hey, people, communicate. It's that simple. Just communicate. Hey, listen. When you said this, it really hurt me. What, what, did you realize that when you said, when you spoke this way, it wasn't really helpful to me? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean it that way. I was sorry. I didn't. Wow. I actually didn't think that somebody could read it that way. Completely. Sorry. Please. Please forgive me. I didn't mean it that way. End. Five minute, two minute call. Situation solved. When instead you would have spent a whole week ruminating, looking at the person at church like this. No, guys. No. No. Just, just sort things out. If something happens, I'm not saying sweep things under the rug. Are you understand what I'm saying? Because sweeping things under the rug is not actually sweeping things. What do you think is going to happen to a rug if you keep sweeping things underneath the carpet? You're going to start seeing the bulge. There's going to be snakes underneath there now in Amakunda. And there's going to be like all kinds of things underneath there now. No. It's not sweeping things under the rug. It's just dealing with things quickly. Have you ever thought, how is it that the Apostle Paul can say, I have a clear conscience? What, Paul, have you never sinned? <laughs> how can you just say, just like, Mina, I, he basically, when you read Paul, he speaks as though you know, he's never sinned in his life. I have a clear conscience. Even if, like, I just feel I am fine. Well, how is it? When Paul dealt with issues. That's it. Just deal with the issue. Deal with the issue and move on. Now, the problem with you, this is, the pro- this is your problem. You want to dwell on the issue. You want to understand all the corners of the issue. Am I lying? You want to you dwell on the issue. And sometimes you feel so guilty because you've been dwelling on the issue. And so now you're dwelling on the issue while also dwelling on your guilt. Do do you see the confusion that happens? And all you need to do is just deal with the issue. Here's the issue. Here it is. Let me phone the person. Let me message. Let's sort it out. Let's move on with life. Uh, Let me encourage you to live a a light, a heavy, a a feather-light life. Feather-light. Just not worried about issues uh, having things about issues, not worrying about what the person thinks about me, you know, just deal with issues. If there's a reason uh, that, 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 that someone would be angry at you, fine. Go deal with it. But don't, just live a feather light life. That's the life that we've been called to. Yep. That's good. That is biblical because what you're doing is you're being slow to speak. Yeah? So you're calming yourself down, you're annoying yourself, and you're arresting yourself. That's very good. Um, it's not the same as ruminating and getting more and more angry. Okay? Because sometimes you could say that, no, I was just controlling the issue. I was just trying to gather my words. But really what you were doing is you were getting more and more angry. So that's not... That, so you have to be able to distinguish between the two. And, and, and the turnaround time has to be quick. Okay? Turnaround time cannot be forever. It needs to be quick, guys. It has to be. 
because you're going to forget the specifics, the person's going to forget the specifics, the person doesn't even remember what they said to you. And then it's going to be like, oh man. You know, so turnaround time needs to be quick. Um, yeah. Okay, next one, James 4, let me read verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your de- you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. <clears throat> Let's leave it there. Yeah, what do you guys say? Real quick, real fast here. Yeah, yeah. I think, can I, just, can I just hold you there? I just realized that it's 8.30, so I'm going to need to wrap this up. So let me just hold you there. Thank you for that. You guys enjoyed the conversation. You will benefit from it. Let me just, really quickly, I'm sorry, guys. I just, I just saw the time now. This is not good. Um, yes, it is, the, the, the source now of all these fights is, uh, is, is what you're saying. It's selfish passions that are at war within us. And so what this calls for in all of us is to have a handle on our passions. Okay? Hear me clearly on this, dear saints. Nothing except the Holy Spirit should control you. Nothing excluding the Holy Spirit should be some control in you. You should always be self-controlled. Your passions should never dictate how you react. It is never the circumstance in front of you that caused you to react that way. It's you. You with me? It is never the pressure that you felt that caused you to swear at people, get angry, fight, cause a whole... It is you. He is being exhaustive here. He's not, he's not, there's nothing that he's leaving it behind. If there is fights and quarrels, it is because people want stuff and they're not getting it. So those people here, they, they are jostling either for positions. Someone wanted to be elected as a deacon and they weren't. Someone wanted to be a pastor and they weren't. Someone wanted to sing and they were not allowed to. Someone, someone did not get greeted on Sunday, someone did not get a lift, they want. There's, it's all about wants. He passed by me without saying hello. Like, literally, you, you laugh at that, but I'm telling you, people get angry. It's, it's all these things. You want acknowledgement, and you don't get it. Okay? Oh, no, I, I wanted this relationship. The relationship doesn't happen, and then you start being a sulky, mopey person. Okay? It's never the situation. The problem is always you. You want something, and so then you allow the thing that you want to control you. And your, the lack of getting the thing that you want leads you to react in an idolatrous fashion. So let me encourage you, dear saints, to have a handle on yourself. Have a handle on yourself. Uh, if, if, you, if, you extreme, if, you, if you struggle... If you're always blurting out things that you shouldn't, you always, you get angry quickly, you have a reputation of having a short fuse, talk to me, talk to someone, 
because there are many underlying issues there that we'd need to work through. Someone who's always angry, someone who has a fit of rage, like you, nobody can tease you. You always, you get angry real quick. You're very sensitive, very sensitive. Everything just lights up your fire. There's always going to be a fight if you're there. There's a problem, serious problem. Please speak to me. And I'm not joking. I'm not trying to make light of the situation. Simply because it, 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 it's saying to me that you might not be saved at all, or if you are saved, you are completely, completely lost in idolatry. You are just swimming in idolatry. You have many idolatries, and you don't know which, which idol it is that you're going to serve today. However, so that's on the extreme end, where someone's always... But there's times even, like, there's, then there's, like, the normal, more normal person here who, is, who gets angry often at specific situations. You with me? So there's specific, specific people that you talk to and then you're just in jail. <laughs> like, the person breathes next to you. What about my oxygen? Like, you're just in jail. Like, there's certain situation, certain people in jail that you're just in jail. Hey, I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay? You need to deal with that. You need to deal with that. Why? Because that person is made in the image of God. Okay, they might be a completely a problem person, but if you react to them in your emotional life, okay, I'm not even talking here about screaming at them. In your emotional life, if you react to that person in a particular way, you've become a slave to that particular sin. You're not in control of yourself. You see, one who is in the Lord Jesus Christ healthy, is one who wants to walk with God. Now, you have to understand, the standard is high. I hope you see how high the standard is. It's a high standard, and thank, praise the Lord, Christ died for us. Praise the Lord. Because if we had to do this ourselves, Baba, it's a wrap. Praise the Lord, Christ died for us, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't aim for the ideal that God sets out for us. Here's the ideal. I'm to walk in front of God. I am to live Koram deal. Always under the eye of God, controlling myself in light of God's commands. You with me? Always thinking, what does God say? 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 How I am to that's what should control me, not how I feel, what time of the day it is, who it is that I'm talking to, what the situation just happened, there's been an accident. Some, the situation has nothing to do with your reaction. Your reaction, if your reaction is that of faithlessness, it's because you are faithless. Your, if your reaction is that of anger and cursing, it's because you are full of hate. If your reaction is that of despondency and crying and acting as if the whole world is ended, it is because you are dramatic and you need to come down. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is that the issue is not in the situation, it's in you. And we need to make sure that we are people who can handle ourselves. Now, some of us will struggle at different levels with this, but we need to know what the goal is, what health is. We, we need to know that we, we, we have to be self-controlled. Only the Holy Spirit is allowed to control me. Not alcohol, not my emotions, not food, not nothing else except the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? 
Please keep that in your mind. And let's work towards that end. I know it's hard, but by the grace of the Lord, we can see progress and change in our lives. Amen? By, by God's grace, applying the Word of God, applying, grabbing hold of the means of grace, speaking about this, encouraging one another, spurring one another towards good works, we can see positive, godly change in our lives. But what I do not want you to do is to get comfortable in your sinful state. Don't get comfortable and say that this is who I am. I can't handle it when someone says that. If you're a Christian and you say, well, you just, every, they should know not to push my buttons. Who are you? Are you a remote control? Like, well, they should know this is who I am. Like, this is what happens. Just don't, I'm nice, I'm okay. Like, you don't understand how many people have said this to me. I'm like, no, listen, this is what God's word says. I literally, I remember a conversation with someone where someone was saying, no, 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 no. They just, they just must not push my buttons. I'm like, no, you're not God. No. Hey, Baba, you're not over there. You're over here with the rest of us. Come down. Okay, control yourself. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. Go meditate on this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, why not rather be wronged? Why not just take an L? Just take the loss. It's fine. You're going to heaven. Take the loss. Why must it be such a big deal that everybody needs to esteem you correctly? So I'm going to be angry at you today because you didn't call me Pastor Lelo. <laughs> oh, you, 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 rich people, you have, a, you have a PhD. And somebody didn't call you doctor. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. Come back. You're here with the rest of us. Finally, I'm, I'm sorry, last group. I'm not going to ask you your, your thing because we're way over time. Uh, Romans 8, verse 35 to 39 uh, speaks of... Um, Romans 8, verse 38, 35 to 39 speaks of uh, the fact that we... <coughs> uh, this is what he says. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life no angels, no rulers, no things present, no things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, no anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How, how are we tempted to relate to these enemies? See, verse 35, the enemies that we have there is tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Uh, the, or the ones in verse 38, death, uh, rulers, and this, this means uh, angelic rulers, like uh, with the supernatural powers, or things that are enemies, or things that threaten us. How are we tempted to relate to these? We are tempted to relate to them in fear. But Paul requires us to have the attitude that we are more than conquerors. There's nothing that can separate us from God. And why did I bring this up? I brought this up because the theme that comes back over and over again from verse 35 is that of death. Did you see that? Death. Threats of death. 
things that will try to kill us. We are not to be afraid of death. As God's people, we've been redeemed and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We should all, like Paul, say, to live is him and to die is what? It's gain. So do not fear death. Do not fear being murdered. There are people who act as though uh, that the, the greatest thing, and perhaps you've acted this way, the, great, the worst thing that could happen to you is to be killed. It isn't. Jesus over and over says this. The apostles over and over say this. Jesus says, do not fear man who can only kill the what? The body. But rather fear who? God, who can do what? Can both kill the body and the soul for eternity in hell. That's the one we're to fear. The great, your greatest fear should not be, when you think about your greatest enemy, it should not be death. Or, not the greatest enemy, rather, sorry. Death is your greatest enemy according to 1 Corinthians 15, the greatest fear, your greatest fear, should not be death. Death is but a door to being in paradise. For us, if we believe the gospel, death, being killed, is, if, you, if you kill me, you're only adding a crown to my head. You see what I'm saying? So we need to, we need to live that way. Now, I'm not saying we need to be reckless and all this, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying all of you just go to China and be killed. <laughs> Yeah, that's all what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we need to be in proportion. People fear death and fear being killed to such a degree that they make life decisions around that that show to me that they're perhaps not really thinking about death at its right place. Being killed is something that we should be, we should be avoiding actively and all these things, we should avoid it, but it's not the worst thing that can happen to us um, because it is a doorway to be with the Lord. Jesus is going to come and destroy, destroy death in 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that the last enemy to be killed, the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. So our enemy is already being destroyed. He will be finally destroyed, but he's as good as dead. So let me encourage you, dear saints, to live in light of that reality. That as you hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust him with your lives. As you, you live for him, trying to estimate other people's lives correctly, you trust the Lord with your lives. May God bless you uh, with, a, with a vision of this, a clear vision of this, where your goal in life is to honor your Father in heaven, honor His creation, and live entirely in light of what He has revealed. To not live in fear, live in shaking, but live a life full of faith, trusting in Him and His promises to redeem you and give you an everlasting home. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> our Lord, you are the great guarantor of our existence. You are the one who guarantees us our home in heaven. You are the one who cares for us, provides a way for us, nurtures us. And I pray, Lord, that even as we leave here now and think through how we are to relate to one another, relate to others, relate to those who irk us, make us unhappy, etc. I do pray, Lord, that your word might come alive and afresh in us. We apply it, that it would be living, that you would bring these words to remembrance, um, that the Lord Jesus' words might stick to us um, uh, 
in a, in a, in a fresh way uh, that we might live in light of the glorious gospel that we have been given. In Christ's name we pray all of these things. Please keep us safe now as we travel home. Amen. What's the curfew now? 11, right? Is the curfew like 11 or 12 now? 12 to 4. Okay. Oh, okay.